Well, here we are, episode two of the BAC podcast with me, Stuart Newman, as always, alongside Briggs Automotive Company co-founders, Neil and Ian Briggs. How are we doing, gentlemen? Yeah, we're good, thanks, Stuart. Good, nice Easter. Um, caught a little bit of sun, which was nice. Don't quite know how I managed that in amongst the snow and, uh, and, 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 and all sorts of different weather conditions. It's been quite a balmy couple of days, actually, but nice and relaxing couple of days. Yeah, it's in at the deep end, isn't it? Straight away. I, I got up this morning after a four-day weekend, looked at the calendar, and it just ram-jammed straight into a podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it, though. Looking I apologise. I apologise. But uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, you know, a massive thank you uh, to everyone who tuned in to episode one of the podcast and gave us such amazing feedback across the board. You know, We are doing this uh, to bring you guys closer to the brand than ever. So you know, it's great to have so many interacting with us, and long may that continue. This episode is called The Reception, which is how the BAC Mono was received all over the world after its launch, looking at the first events it went to and some of the stories behind iconic moments with the media, including Jeremy Clarkson and the Stig behind the wheel with Top Gear. So are we ready? We are indeed. We're ready, mate. We're ready. Okay, let's go. So where we left off in episode one was in Stuttgart launching BAC Mono. I don't that think that could have gone any better, I guess. You've reached the top of that mountain. What <laughs> happened next? Well, it was, like, the journey, it was the journey home, wasn't it? <laughs> First of all, uh, <clears throat> I flew back for a wedding, so I had it easy. Um, I think Guy stayed behind with the um, to, 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 to bring the car back, um, and that's when the real hard work began, I guess, to, to get a functioning car. Um, you know, at, at, at the point of a show car, um, you know, it is it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a show car, and so from from that point onwards, it was a question of making sure that the cooling systems uh, performed correctly, uh, the fans, um, all of the ancillaries uh, in and around the engine. Um, not least uh, the fact that the thing could cool uh, and run properly, engine calibration, uh, gear shift calibrations, all of the body control unit functions. So that's the slightly boring stuff of indicators and lights, which aren't as straightforward <clears throat> as people might think. Press a button and something works. This is a lot of wizardry that goes on in the background. So that's when all that, that hard work started. Um, and it was really interesting as well as a feature on the car that, um, people see and they see is this lovely symmetry uh, that exists on the left and the right hand side, which is the the air intake um, or part of the uh, the air box that's, that protrudes out through the bodywork. And, and now then there's a grill mesh on the other side where you can see into the car and you can see the beautiful exhaust system and so on and so forth. Well, that was a, that was never originally uh, supposed to be like that. Um, Ian <clears throat> Ian wanted this lovely uh, seal-like skin. Uh, of this purity of the car um and, and i kind of intimated that we'd have issues uh, and sure enough we did a we did a, a rolling road session as part of the engine calibration and uh we had a we had a hot spot on the body there where we knew we needed to address it and and you know the great thing about it being just ian and i was is it was a quick discussion and literally you know out came the grinder and uh modification to the tool within a couple of days and then before you know it you know we've, we've we've got the distinctive look that we've that we all know and love now but um yeah it was just things were just moving at such a fast pace um and then before we knew it we had a we had a car that we could actually drive around the car park which was which was the first the next mountain that we climbed almost 
in, in the nick of time, to be honest. But just going back slightly, as Neil went home, I remember you I think you did you leave Saturday night or something or Sunday morning at a wedding on a, on the Sunday. Yeah, brother in law's um, wedding. So me and Guy and some friends loaded it back into the famous truck. And then we took it to a studio. Tom Ziora had agreed to photograph it for us because it wasn't ready in time to be photographed before the show. So all those kind of launch pictures, uh, they were all taken just after the show. Uh, everything in the internet to begin with was just pictures of it at the show. Um, but yeah, then it came back. Um, and that was a uh, crikey. That was that was a bit of a whirlwind. We'd agreed there was a dealer um, who'd come from, from Poland. We knew he was coming. We'd had contact with him um, and he'd agreed to buy some cars. He loved the car when he saw it. And we agreed to take part in a, an event called the Verva Street Race in Warsaw. And I think it was a it was in June sometime, uh, middle of June, I'm going to say. Um, so, you know, in our typical naivety, we're like, oh, loads of time. <laughs> and so we ended up, um, we were down at a place that was doing, as Neil said, the, the, the rolling road work, the, the calibration. Um, and we ended up the day before we needed to leave for this event. We've got it on the rolling road for the first time, shifting up and down through the gears. And... Um, I think actually, Neil, the 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 overheating of the bodywork must have happened earlier when we'd first started it, because I remember cutting that hole at at the workshop. We didn't cut that hole down at mats, so that hole must already have oh. been cut. Um, so we so we, we we'd already noticed we had some overheating problems there, but the big one we noticed down at mats was that the end the gearbox control unit was getting too hot. It was it was on top of the gearbox and below the exhaust. And we're supposed to be down in the south of England. We're supposed to be going to Warsaw the next morning. So Neil and I get in the truck and another drive through the night all the way up to Wrexham to our uh, exhaust supplier, Alunox, um, who made us a heat shield through the night while Neil and I got four hours sleep at his place. He made us a heat shield for the control unit as well. And then we got back in the in the truck the next morning and then started the the epic, <laughs> epic journey to, to, to Warsaw. Um, which isn't which isn't just down the road, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, Germany's a big country, and then you've got you've got Poland, and then and it's not exactly uh, West Poland either. You know, um, but the, the the thing is, is is it's like with with many things, uh, and and still today, you know, when you have a a challenge, you just break it down and just say, you know, you, you get very tactical at that point. You say, what what do we need to do? Uh, it was a bit like going back 30 years almost for me and Ian when we used to go on holiday with our parents in the motorhome and we just used to drive around and we started off, you know, going on holiday in France and then the weather wasn't wasn't what it needed to be. So then we went to Portugal and then we went to Spain and we just carried on and carried on. And, and, and so it was a question of, right, okay, what we got to do? We knew Northern Europe quite well because of, uh, of, of previous lives and living in Cologne and Ian in Stuttgart, obviously. So the, the drive down south was a, was was just around the corner for us, but but then obviously Northern Europe and and I remember we had uh, you know, parents were were kind of you know how's it all going? Tell us tell us when you're in what country. And first of all, it was France, then Belgium, then it was Holland, and then it was Germany, and then, then it, it was Poland. Um, and we were just taking it in turns. And I think I think we can write a book now on um, on the on the food that you can get from from service stations and gas stations. You know, one 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 tuna. One tuna roll, uh, you know, blended into the other, and packets of crisps and energy drinks. 
Uh, and we just kept on driving and driving and driving. And um, just, you know, just sorry to interrupt though, but just we can't forget the the, the moment we tried to get on the train on the channel tunnel in the middle of the night we were both exhausted obviously we'd done two all-nighters by now and uh we filled it up with fuel and one of us uh Ian, didn't, put, Ian. <laughs> didn't, put, didn't put the fuel cap back on so we get by the skin of our teeth to the to the channel um and we're all, all ready to load on they're all coming down the ramp and all the trucks it's middle of the night and we're looking at our watch and neil's working it out on the map and it's like well, it might just still might just do it, it might be all right it might be all right and this bloke comes wait, running up waving his hand you can't go in you can't go in you've not got a fuel cap you've not got a fuel cap pull over to one side i'm like no way and then he's like you'll have to try and get one it's like three o'clock in the morning where are you going to get a fuel cap from and he said, oh, there's a number you can call. And we called this number and this bloke came out in the middle of the night. But, you know, you're nervous for every minute you're losing. So he comes out and he give, you know, give him his dues there within half an hour. And he found a fuel, fuel cap that fits and then we fitted that. So, so we're on the back foot now because we're probably about an hour behind where we should have been. And it was just one thing after another taking, took a wrong turn somewhere in northern Germany um around kind of holland germany way and ended up going into a big city and you know the, you try and take the, the off ramp and then go back on and go the other way but it turns out you can't do that you, you just end up on another motorway and then again and again and and of course we had this time pressure hanging over us the whole time it was um that was that was a hell of a journey so you're on your way to this event i was going to ask you which one of you was the lucky one to have driven it first in england before you got there but I guess right. you didn't do a proper road test. It was just you were heading to this road event without much of that going on. Well, to be honest, the car, the, for, for, I can't remember why, but for some reason, the pedals in the car were set for someone taller. Um, and so there wasn't even a discussion between Neil and I. Um, it did, it, it all came together. And then it was late at night. And um, it was so late at night that the light, the street lighting in the industrial estate had been switched off. So it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning or something. Um, so all the mechanics who were down there with us at this company that, that had done it, Matt Fawkes, um, they all went and parked on different corners with the headlights of their cars because the, the, the lights on our car didn't work at this stage. Um, so they, they illuminated all the curbs and everything. And yeah, it was me. Um, but but like there was no big long discussion. We didn't flip a coin or anything. It was just Neil just said that you know I think you'll be able to reach the pedals better than me. So so you do it. Um, and it was it's a shame when you look back because you wish you could have enjoyed and 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 those moments. But you're so worried about getting to the next thing and achieving the next milestone that it's like right another thing tick 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 in the box. That's why sometimes it's nice to look back at the old magazines and just rem reminisce on those times a bit because. It all goes fast, past so fast. And I hear it sometimes of Formula One drivers, they say, I need to remember I'm, this is what I always wanted to do and I need to enjoy this. And even if I can't be at the front of the grid, I, I, you know, and, and I, I often try and remind myself of that. Um, and that's a good example. Like we're, just, we're, just, we're just racing off onto Warsaw now and we've totally forgot about the first time we drove the car. It's, it's typical in a way. Um, but no, it was, it was stressful because we weren't sure if we'd solved the problems with the overheating of the, of the GCU. So that's always in the back of our mind. Because if the, if the GCU overheated, it, um, it went onto um, an emergency kind of protect itself mode and then nothing worked. And the only way to reset it was with software and a laptop, which we didn't have. So we were terrified if, about that happening. So that's always in the back of your mind. It's in the back of your mind that you might not get there on time for the start of the event. Um, and we were exhausted, but we were just swapping over, driving each, taking a turn of the truck. Um, and I remember when we got into Poland, they'd had all this lovely motorway built, but it <clears throat> hadn't actually been commissioned. So we were going along little 
little single lane roads in just as far as you could see lines of trucks. And every now and again, you'd get a glimpse through the trees of this brand new motorway that you couldn't use yet. Um, and we ended up in a traffic jam and we stopped and then we ended up switching the engine off and then you have a little wander around and nothing's happening. So we're sitting there having a little chat. Next thing there's a on the side window. <laughs> I wake up, Neil wakes up. We look at each other. There's a bloke at the window saying, drive. We look in front of us and this line of traffic that had been there was all gone. And all you could see was all, all, the whole way through a Polish forest. There was nothing in front of us. Behind us, half of Europe was queuing up. Um, so, so yeah, then we, then we carried on. And then all through that day as well. Um, and we ended up arriving in the middle of the night of the following night. And now we were supposed to go to a place where they were going to do a wrap of the car with all the sponsors. This this dealer had a sponsor for the event. And we get there exhausted. We get it off the truck and everything. And that we told you that was a faff with bodies and chains and prayers. Put it on the ground. They walk up, we push it around the corner of the uh of this of this warehouse, and there's the steepest ramp you've ever seen in your life. There's no way the car's gonna go down there. So it's like, let's put it back in the truck and let's take it to the event. And they're going to wrap it in the in the tent at the event. So it's all, put it all back on the truck um, into the center of town. And then once we'd left them to, for them to work through the night, it was probably three or four in the morning, Neil and I did the course on electric scooters. Remember that, Neil? Yes, it, it, the, the the track that they'd, uh, they'd laid out was, um, and we, we'd been told this was a parade, by the way, not, not that it was a race. Um, and that it was a fairly minor event. And, and it was right in the centre of Warsaw. There's a huge square there. Um, and it turns out that this thing was, was without no exaggeration, it was on, it was on par with any uh, street-based Grand Prix that you'd seen. So it was proper grandstands, barriers. Um, it, was, it was run by a proper organisation. And at this point, the at four o'clock in the morning, this is now, the excitement of, oh, we're at a racetrack kicks in having spent 36 hours uh, on the road um so we're like oh we, you know we better go and better go and have a look around you know um ian was going to drive because the pedals were 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 uh were right at the far forward set for the for, for a tall person the idea being that if anyone wanted to was interested in sitting in the car that they would get in it and the pedals would be as far forward so that meant that ian was the default driver uh, so we, we, we end up going round and of course it's throwing out time at the usual bars and restaurants at, at three and 4am and people are being, are, are being thrown out onto the street, semi-drunk and me and Ian are there having a bit of a race on these electric scooters. We get back and we said, look, we're gonna have to go to bed here for a couple of hours. We'd left these, these lads wrapping the car. We stayed in a rather nice hotel that overlooks the square and we thought, right, we've, we've, we've made it, you know, this is it now. We get up the next morning, put on our nice, uh, our nice mono shirts um which is a story in itself um and uh yeah and then we turn up for this event and um the organizer the the, the dealer comes up to me and says oh there's a there's a driver's briefing um and it's a driver's briefing it sounds a bit sounds a bit you know sounds a bit a bit serious and i said yeah go on you'll be all right you know and uh, just have a listen listen to what they say so off ian wanders off next minute um uh, the guy says yeah you'll need your race suit and Ian's looking at me, race suit, that, and you'll need a helmet. And, and of course, we didn't have any of these things. We just thought it was drive around, wave at the crowd, and, and, and that was it. It turns out um, Red Bull were there. 
with works drivers there was there was drifters there was there was uh, ex formula 1 drivers dtm drivers every brand was there with their the best test drivers that they could throw at it ian's there in a short sleeve t-shirt um shit and uh <laughs> Uh, they managed uh, to, to convince the organisers that Ian, uh, having competed in the German uh, karting championship for about two or three events, that he qualified with for an international race licence. Strangely enough, I actually had an international race licence, but because the pedals were set where they were, it meant that I couldn't drive. Um, so we off Ian went, and um, and yeah, it, it, it was a proper race. Um, everyone was absolutely flat out, really going for it. Did you hold your own, Ian, or did you get embarrassed? No, I did. No, I did. There was no way I was going to let any of those overweight flipping supercars uh, embarrass a, a lightweight, uh, purpose-designed uh, single-seater. No, no. It was – and I remember the second time I went out, it was wet. Um, and if you can imagine, you're going like a through a junction in the middle of a city centre. You know, you've got six lanes of traffic coming from all directions. So you, you're crossing from the bus stop, kind of across all the lanes, through the middle – you know, you're changing surface and there's places where the cars wait at the lights. It'll be a bit slippier. So the cars are moving around all over the place. And I remember when Neil, I came in and Neil said, you're going quite quick then. And Neil still hasn't driven it at this point. I said, just wait till you drive it, mate. Just wait. It's talking to you all the time. And, you, you know, you'd understeer a little bit and then you give it a bit of gas and you start, as the revs are building and the power's coming in, it starts to become neutral and you just short shift and it just settled down again. It's like, it's just talking to you all the time. You just didn't feel intimidated. Just play with it and just 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 stick with this kind of pack of, of cars. It was... Uh, it was it was great. It was great. I, I do remember that first feeling of of, of, it, of it moving around. That was um, that was that was a good that was a good moment. And then uh, and then it, it, we we relaxed a bit after that because the first couple of times we weren't sure do we start the car and get it warm and risk overheating that damn GCU or do we or do we leave it off to the last minute and all this kind of stuff. But um, thankfully, we didn't have any issues. The, the heat shields, which, which were put on the exhaust and were put onto the um, unit itself, and they stayed in production. Well, they're, they're still in production. Uh, those those measures on on the on the Mono W that we just just finishing to to produce actually. So um, no, they they all worked okay. So, but but at the time, you don't know that, of course. So there's the joy is tempered by some terror. <laughs> but a successful first event, all told. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. And, then, and then the drinking began. Uh, the the sponsor. Um, well, be fair. Yeah. Your drinking started once I started driving because you, your job yeah. was done by that point. I couldn't drink, so Neil was <clears throat> was credit keeping up with these Polish lads on Russian vodka. Um, but no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, that, that, that's that, that's the classic. That, that's the classic role play changing. You know that that we'd been we'd been engineers, designers. And then, you know, only a matter of days up till that point. Then we were playing truck driver. Then we were playing almost race engineer and making sure the car was ready to go out. And then it was play racing driver. And then it was play ambassador, you know, ambassadorial role and and mix with the paying with the paying customers. And, and this particular customer was, was huge. He was about six foot six. Um, wherever he flew around in his jet, he took beluga vodka with him everywhere. Um, there was you know, there was a sea of beluga vodka in this tent and he insisted every single time the car drove past every lap that you, that, that you did two or three shots, you know, and I, I weigh, you know, eight and a half, well, ten and a half stone wet through. Um, and this bloke's at least twice my size um, and three times the body weight probably. 
So of course, next lap, you know, Ian goes past, and there's another vodka goes down. Then Ian comes in the pits, and we have to celebrate with Ian and another vodka and another vodka. And I remember, um, I've always want, I've always, <laughs> I've, I've, I've always wanted to watch Jamiroquai live in concert, right? And I'd never ever seen him, never ever seen him. And it turns out he was playing the after show for this for this this whole event. And our dealer had, had organised some VIP backstage passes for us to go and see Jamiroquai. And I'm thinking, this is, this is just working out perfectly. Unfortunately, it got to about six o'clock. And the last I remember was talking to David Piper and then falling over a guy rope. Um, and, and then I think I woke up the next morning in, in our hotel room. And uh, uh, that, was, that, was, that, that was it. And I never did get to see Jamiroquai until about 10 years later when I saw him here in Manchester. So um, His brother yeah. went to see Jamiroquai on his own. Okay, it's time for our unexpected guest of the episode. The rule, as always, is that Neil and Ian have absolutely no idea who it's going to be. Any guesses, boys? We saw um, Matt. We saw Matt Fawkes uh, um, half a year ago, and and I remember he was very instrumental in that in that time. So that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me um, if it was someone someone from uh, connected to the drama of that time. <laughs> I'm going um, Ollie Webb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah, bad. Yeah. Not bad. Nowhere near, of course. Um, okay. <laughs> please, wel- please welcome racing driver turned revered automotive journalist and one of the first members of the media to actually drive the BAC Mono. It is Steve Sutcliffe. No. Oh, way. no way! No way! <laughs> How you doing, good man? Good. Hey, Steve. Good to see you, man. And you? And you? Long time no, never meet. <laughs> Actually, you and I, Steve, we've never yeah, met. No, actually, I, yeah. I, I feel like I know you, obviously, because I see all the videos and and obviously read a lot. Um, but we've never actually met, have we? No, 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 no. Obviously, nice near, to meet yeah, you many times. But and, and the same <laughs> to you, yeah. Steve, How thank you, you so much for uh, thanks good, so much for joining good, thank us. You. Um, I'm going to kick things off with a quote. Can you tell me who said this about the BAC Mono back in 2012? I think I have found my all-time favorite car. Genuinely. It wasn't me, because I think it was in 2011. <laughs> 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 you must be talking about someone uh, else. <laughs> well, it was Steve Sutcliffe in 2011 then, yes, of course. Right. Um, yeah. The automotive world has changed a hell of a lot in the past 10 years, but you know, does Mono still rank right up there as one of the best cars you've ever driven? Uh, yeah, still, without, without question. Um, it felt so, so different and just unique. I hate qualifying the word unique because it's it's grammatically wrong, but it was, you know, kind of genuinely unique at the time. And I think it remains so today. Absolutely. What happened on that day? How did it all come about? And where did you go? And what did you do? It wasn't very kind of, it, it wasn't very kind of exotic, was it, Neil? It was Chobham Test Track. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, was it not? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was exotic for us because, you know, at that point, we, we didn't know where, where you guys went on locations for things. Of course, there's that area down the far end where you guys always used to do a, a drift shot. Um, and, of course, from reading the magazine for the best part of 30, 40 years, you know, we'd, we'd seen seen some of the images that you that, and, and read articles, obviously. But, yeah, it was – I think you did um, – you drove around the, the big perimeter track. You did um, the area around by the golf course, which I think you call the snake, I think you call it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, through the snake, uh, you did a you did some 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 spirited starts uh, up and down a kind of parallel straight area, 
you and I had a good chat and um, it was brilliant, actually. I mean, it was the, it was a lovely day, first of all. We had great weather and we had a great photographer in Charlie McGee. Mm. Uh, and obviously we had a, one of the best journalists and, and drivers out there, actually. So for me, it was, it, it was great because obviously you and, I, you and I go back quite a bit to the, the original focus days when you were obviously editor at, at Autocar and, uh, and, and, and then focus RS days as well. Um, and uh, no, it was just it was just brilliant to be working with someone who, you know, as a fan, and this is you know genuine words. You know, Ian and I grew up and still do. My dad's got autocars piled up to the roof. Um, you know, where we just come home at the weekend, and literally it was there's autocar, there's autosport, and we'd all read one, then we'd pass it round, uh, and and here we are. You know, is Steve Sutcliffe driving our car and, and saying some extremely nice words that, that still give us goosebumps to this day, actually, and I mean that genuinely. Yeah, but I think, I mean, what, what, I, what I remember was you, you come across cars like yours once every 10 years or so, maybe, um, possibly less than that. And I, I do remember, and I, it didn't take very long for me to think that. It was just, it was kind of the, one of those first 50 yards type feelings where... <laughs> absolutely everything was exactly where I wanted it to be in relation to my eyes, legs, feet, hands, etc. And then very quickly after that, probably a mile or so, my brain just started to feel completely in tune with the car. And that's, that's the bit where I remember just thinking, have you guys got it so right? So, so immediately, you know, having, having not done that much like that before, but Obviously, your history goes back in all sorts of different directions, and and that's why, obviously, you got it you got it so right so so quickly. But um, that doesn't happen very often. Did well, you expect it to be you know not quite like that? If you know another British lightweight good idea, I guess that didn't go quite right. Is that what you expected? Or yeah, you know, I'd driven a few, and of of your, I mean, a lot of your competitors are very good, but I've also at that point had driven plenty of other cars from other people who have kind of wild ideas and they start talking to you about crazy amounts of numbers that they intend to sell and you kind of your eyes glaze over before you even climb into the car because you just think these guys are not real but it was utterly obvious how real you were in your ambitions but then to actually drive it just everything just went straight out the window because I just thought wow I hadn't driven anything like this before I, I I got um, I was on holiday um, at our parents in France and I and I um, I think it was your video was the first thing I saw um, and I got goosebumps because you know again not not just because you hear anything but you know guys like you and uh, every magazine had like the the driver journalist you know you'd raced in the TVRs and you know Chris Harris was another example or Richard Mead you know every magazine had someone who you respect who said if he if he likes it, it it's good he, you know he's a driver's driver kind of thing um and so the fact that it was you saying those things uh, I, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it I, <laughs> as it was a six seven minute video and as it went on and on you know because you're always nervous what someone's going to say of course um and it was just it just felt I just felt better and better and better the whole time it was going on it was uh it was it was fantastic and then you did that article I think the week before it came out in the magazine you had your own column and you wrote some really nice stuff in there as well um and no that was that was 
it, like it, it, see, it might, might seem dull to you being at Chobham, but for, for Neil and I, we've got motoring ju- journalist royalty driving our car saying the best things you could, anyone could ever say. I found my genuinely best favourite ever car. I mean, it couldn't get better, you know, couldn't get more yeah, exotic. No, I- I, I didn't mean that in a in a kind of uh, accusational way or anything like that. <laughs> you know, that's my backyard basically. So it's actually sure, sure, the sure. best best place to go and to go and try something new that that that's good because you find out because you know it backwards. But you know, you know the place backwards. But you know, it wasn't the south of France. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think you, know, you know what? We never actually intend the video that we shot on that day was. We didn't go there specifically with the intention to shoot a video. We were just doing a magazine shoot. And you know Charlie, because he's one of the best in the business, um, Charlie McGee. We just kind of, we had a few GoPros and he was kind of experimenting with with, with shooting video. And I, I was kind of really getting into the idea of shooting video because it's just so much more graphic a, a way of describing things. And um, but it, it was it wasn't by accident, but it was a, it was it was not the single primary intention to shoot the video that day. It was we were going there to shoot the mag- stills from the magazine. And but you know, you could not shoot a video at the same time, and it ended up. I've done quite a few views of that video still. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it has. I think. I think the other thing for for listeners to to bear in mind is that <clears throat> you know now we've got established. Now we're established. We've got obviously Stuart. We have a marketing department, and and they work very closely with journalists in terms of you know how to shape things and 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 our naivety. Again, you know, we were only four people in the company. It was here's 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 what here's arguably the best motoring journalist, the, the best magazine, and we've just given him a car. If he says it's rubbish, then probably probably it's game over. You yeah. know, it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like Steve wrote this and sent it to us and said, you know, is this acceptable? You know, that's not how it works. You know, journalists write these things and you roll the dice. Um, and you've just got to have faith in, in in the product. And everyone kept saying, "Oh, do you get to do you get to read what they're going to say before you, before they print it? And what if they say they don't like it?" And it's funny, even to this day, that you look at it, and you think, "Well, if they don't like it, and there's something that, that, that's wrong, then that's genuine, and people have a right to know that." You know, it, it, it's it's not a it's not an ad, an advert for, for for Christ's sake. You know, so the fact that we just handed the car over. And you got in it, and you said you liked it was 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 great. But but it, it shows that the product was there, and it shows that um, you know we had this this self belief that we still have to this day in in what we do. Um, and, and and I have to say, when when I think it was uh, Murray's one of our senior designers who, who worked with Ian in Stuttgart originally. He just relocated to the UK, and he called me, and he said, "Have you read what what Steve Sutcliffe has written about the car in in Autocar?" And my heart sank, and I'm thinking, "Oh crikey." <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, maybe this overconfidence of mine's finally got the better of me. And, and and he said, I'm going to read it to you. And he started reading it. And I'm like, well, that oh, that's good. And I'm like, that's good. And then literally it was like goosebumps. And then I'm, and I was I'm almost in tears, but I was getting to that point. And, and he just said, he, uh, you can't repeat exactly what he said, but it was, it was, it was, it was so rewarding to think, wow, we, we took another gamble and it's paid off. And, 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 you know, bear in mind that you're very humble about it, Steve, but, you know, journalists' opinions really do matter, and particularly a technical magazine like Autocar, and particularly a person like you who's very technical, very knowledgeable, but also a very respected, you know, journalist and driver as well. For us, it was the ultimate accolade, actually, and I really, really do. People ask about Top Gear and all the rest of it, and we'll come to that another time, and of course, that helped. But I think being the first magazine very technical the car's very technical very attribute driven 
and performance driven to get the review that we did i really really do think genuinely that that, that was that was a, a serious leg up that we got there in the early days so definitely well th- thanks again for it steve oh it's, i mean i don't make it up i don't <laughs> don't say it just to try and make people smile and say if I, if I believe it and mean it and i did yeah i'll tell you the other thing i, I remember when we went to snetterton as well remember that we must I'm, I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that because you that know chop chopham is a chopham is a is a track uh, you know and it's a, it's great for, for 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 comparing one one thing and doing what you did but but snetterton which they just lengthened it if you remember they did all the infield section yeah i didn't know it yeah Yours was the first car I'd ever driven around there, I think. Oh, no, I'm ever going <laughs> yeah. to Ginetta on the same day. but Yeah. And the Aerial Atom V8, I think you drove as well. Yeah, we won't mention that. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but no, go on. Get, tell us about your experience driving it around the track. Because I remember you got out of the car and you were absolutely fizzing. You know, because... Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> well, that it just felt so precise. That that I mean, Chobham is one thing and, the, and Through the Snake is it's kind of like a, like a windy B road going through the snake Chobham, which is great car's great there but i still at that point still wanted to to properly drive it around a track but again just driving it at snetterton i couldn't i couldn't believe how focused it felt how much of a competition car it felt it just it just felt like a racing car to me like but but like a racing car that i had set up for like months and months and months to be exactly how i wanted it to be which again i was just completely blown away by and to have a car like that, which you, which has also got compliance, to be perfectly civilized on the road, obviously once you've once you've um, armed yourself with a, with a lid or whatever, that's that's the real quality of your car, I think. Plus the way it looks, which I still think is absolutely sensational. But to have ride quality and comfort, and that precision where you can just, you know, you 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 would literally, I could literally pick the stone that I was going to hit on each apex is what it felt like to me rather than in some of the other cars there where I was actually just hoping to stay on the gray bit rather than on the green bit but um yeah no that that as much as the day at Chobham really cemented my opinion of of, of the mono it was fab around Snetterton I thought that's the last time I drove it I think well, we I definitely have to do, we have to do something about that. We've got to get you in Monoir. That'd be a hell of a story because, yeah, to, to go from that original 2.3 car, which which was a very good starting point. Obviously, Neil and I are very proud of Monoir. Um, the part I played in it, the part Neil's played in it, obviously. Um, that'd be a fantastic story, actually, to for you to, you know, 10 years later, uh, to drive that Monoir, the, the, the latest iteration. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and um, hope hope it hope it would uh, not disappoint, obviously. Before before you do that, um, I have to read another quote from Steve Sutcliffe and then we can make a decision. Oh, God. So he said... <laughs> this is where I have to go. <laughs> he said, I think I may have to steal one if they're silly enough to let me have another go. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> That's why it's been, it's been so long, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Um, you know, the boys mean what they say. We've we've talked about this before, and and how massive an impact you had on BAC, and, and you know, your part in our history is so big. So, thank you from all of us, and and thank you for joining us today. And we really appreciate it. And we'll definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, get you behind the wheel of the R later this year. Let's hope uh, that's a new all-time favourite for you when you do that. Love to. It's a pleasure to be involved and a privilege to be involved right at the beginning as well. Really, genuinely. 
Thank oh, you, Steve. It means, means a lot. Means, means a lot. Meant a lot back then. Meant a lot. Means a lot today. And I hope we can meet in the flesh um, and 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 get you in the you know around the North Wales or something in Monowar. That'd be that'd be great. That'd be good. That'd be great. Yeah. And finally, right. have a game. And finally, have a game of golf together as well, Steve. I haven't played for years. Oh, really? Four years I haven't played. Oh well. You, well you, I'm, you, yeah. Ready? I'm, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Cheers, it. Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for joining, Steve. Steve. Thanks for your yeah. time, Steve. Thank you. Yeah. All the best. Bye bye. So the first event was on the continent in Europe, uh, in Poland. When was the first time you actually showed it to British crowds, British uh, car, British crowds? Where was that? That would have been Goodwood, beginning of July. Um, I think I think we still hadn't adjusted the pedals, Neil, because I was still I was driving again. Um, yeah. And and if and to be honest, if if the car had fit Neil at that time, it would have been Neil driving it. He had he had much more experience. Um, of doing that type of thing from his back in his Ford days, riding handling and stuff. So um, I drove it just because the car fit me again. Um, and I do remember when you're at Goodwood, I mean, God, that felt like, that really felt, uh, if, if if having the car road tested by by important magazines felt like you hit the big time, being at Goodwood felt, to- you know, I'd never been there before and there's the house and there was all the, you know, the big sculpture in front of the house and we arrived again, middle of the night, unloading the car. Uh, and there was just all the stuff that was there, all these different brands. And it it was it was amazing. And get, getting getting changed to drive the car, you know, in the next to Jensen Button in the in the in the driver's um hospitality area and stuff. It was just it was it was incredible. But we still had that nagging concern about the the GCU, uh, and so Neil was always in front. And at, and at Goodwood, you, you you have to start up and you go to like a a, a, a pre assembly paddock, then another one, and you, you're kind of moving towards the start line all the time. Some guys are just leaving the cars running, some are switching them off, and we couldn't decide whether we switch it off and w- have the problem of heat soak, uh, or whether we leave it running and let the fans just keep blowing. So I think we just did probably a bit of bit of bit of bit of each, probably not the best, but. Um, so there was, that was still a concern. So that it must have been, I think it was very early in, in July. I think it was probably a week later, something like that. I don't think it was. Don't think it was long. It's always uh, because of the driver availability for the Formula One drivers. They always make it the week before or the week after the uh, the British Grand Prix. Um, and we got the call really late. Uh, there was a, a car that that should have been there. Um, that that had issues, um, and we got a call on a Wednesday. Um, would you like to to be at Goodwood? And we said yes, we would. And they said, well, the car needs to be here by tonight, uh, and we're up in Cheshire at this point. Um, so myself and um, a chap uh, who was doing an internship with us um, called Sam Minchington, um, we jumped in the van, put the car in, and, and off we drove. Uh, we had nowhere to stay. We didn't know what to do. We just turned up with the car uh, in the middle of the night, as Ian said. I think I'd gone, I'd, I'd gone ahead, hadn't I? Because I'd found our place in the supercar paddock. We were part of this first glimpse uh, thing. And I remember stood there when it was in the old position, the original position of the supercar paddock, and waiting for, for, for you and Sam to turn up in the truck. I'd somehow got down there ahead of you. I'm not sure how, how we'd done that, but I do remember you arriving. Yeah, we, we, we arrived, we got the car out, and... Um, 
we had nowhere to stay, um, so we slept on on bubble wrap in the in the truck, uh, just in the in the, in the car park. And that's the at this point, that's the real kind of uh, I wouldn't say heaven and hell, but it's the it's the real chalk and cheese of, of the emotion. You know, you, you you're at this place with you know the best of the best brands, uh, an incredible surroundings and environment. Everyone's going off to to dinners and stuff, and you're there sleeping on bubble wrap in the van. But we 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 we. We, we we loved it. Sam and I had a couple of beers, and we walked around, and we saw more than more of the show in the evening, when everyone was was asleep, and there was just the security guards around. We had a great look around the show. Woke up the next morning, not feeling uh, feeling too great after after a couple of too many cans, arguably, uh, and we needed to get changed, and we needed to get washed. And as a manufacturer, when you sign on, uh, you, you're signing on the car, which is quite a big deal, you know. So. I remember I was signing on, and this this is the day before, and 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 there's everyone from from Sir Jackie Stewart to you know to to to, to Eddie Cheever from the Miz One Indy Five Hundred to just all sorts of different racing drivers, and there's this place where you can get changed in the back and have a shower. So I said to Sam, "We'll we'll get we'll go and have a shower in the morning," and and we walked in with our our toilet bags under our arms, all the autograph hunters thinking that we were we were a budding driver. We walked in there and having a shower. And uh, you're hearing all the Formula One cars starting up, and you're just thinking, "Wow, this is this is amazing. We've really, really hit the big time here." And then out, out you come, and you're and you're toweling off. And then next minute, you know, Sir John Surtees is there, you know, butt naked, putting his leathers on, and and then walks Jensen Button with his with his bag, and you're just thinking, "This is this is bonkers," you know. Um, and then it was, of course, time to run the car up the hill, and Ian's again. At this point, um, you know, it's Goodwood really started to clamp down on whether, you know, drivers had race licenses and clothing and protective, uh, you know, hats and so on, helmets and things. And Ian said, listen, you know, um, I, I really need you at the top of the hill just in case there's an issue, you know, just just you've got to get up there somehow. I said, so I came up with the notion of trying to bum a ride off someone in the queue behind Ian um, and I think I, I got a, a lift up with, uh, is it Titchy Strider or whatever his name is, a rapper in a three-wheel Morgan who, who, who was, I mean, that was scary. Um, I think I got a ride up there with, 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 with a couple of other people in a Lexus LFA. And every time I came around the corner, I was just praying, don't be in the wall, don't be in the wall, because it's a very, very, very tricky track, Goodwood is, even, you know, the best have come have come to find themselves in the hay bales and sure enough we get to the top and everything's fine uh, we didn't have the handbrake op- wasn't operational at that point so the, uh, I had to jump out of the car I was in run around in front of Ian and shove a piece of wood in front of it stop it from rolling away I forgot, I forgot about that uh, I remember sorry to interrupt Neil I remember um, worrying lying in the tent the night before and going through my mind because you're right we couldn't we had we had to put it in gear. We had to leave it in gear um, uh, because we didn't have a handbrake, and we were going to put the bit of wood as well. But at the time, we hadn't finished the logic of how the when the engine started, and if you pressed the starter button to, to to stop it when it was running, and it was in gear, it tried to start again. There was something where I had to as I, as we rolled over the top of the car park, I had to put it into neutral, switch the engine off and then click it back into first gear and it was it was all just and i just had to just and i knew there'd be crowds there and that's where everyone's doing burnouts and i just had to be kind of clearing my mind how to do that and that that was one of the most stressful parts really trying to work out i was going to make sure the car didn't roll away as it happened they did have blocks of wood and neil was always up there ahead of me and he'd always organized with a marshal a block of wood and we could put it under but uh 
I do remember getting to the top uh, one time and I'd followed up uh, Andreas Preuninger, uh, head of GT car development at Porsche. Um, and I recognized him, obviously, um, but uh, he didn't know me. He came over and he was looking at the car, asked if he could sit in it. And and then um, he, he offered he offered to go into, because he, he lives in Stuttgart, same as I do, obviously. Um, and he'd offer, he offered to go and swap cars. He said, we'll, we'll meet in the Black Forest and, and now I'll have a go in your car. You can have a go in mine because it, it was the 997 GT3 RS 4.0, which he'd just driven up. Um, we were too busy with too much stuff going on with the car. I never, ever got around to doing it. Um, although we maybe still could. And then at the top of the hill, of course, um, there's all these famous racing drivers. So the Neil Briggs kind of nerdy fan starts kicking in. I'm like, there's Jackie Oliver, there's Jackie Stewart, there's Jensen Button, you know, and I'm just kind of like, I didn't want to go autograph hunting and I wanted to look like a manufacturer. And I thought, well, you know, would it be the dumb thing to go up and ask for a selfie or a photograph of these people? And I thought, well, some of these chances aren't going to come up again. So, you know, there I was stood next to Jackie Oliver and and, and people like that. It was just, 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 fan, just fantastic. And, and sharing a glass of champagne at the top as well. And the car ran well. Um, and um, and then being able to enjoy it was was great. And then of course, you know, the interest in the car was just was just ridiculous because it was like this this spaceship that had landed in the in the supercar paddock. Um, so no sooner had you got back down after a run, then it was you know this bloke's interested in the car and this guy wants to talk to you or this journalist wants to talk to you. Just just absolutely nonstop. And and, and come the end of the event, it just emotionally, physically, uh, you know, drained. And then it was back up north to do the day job. <laughs> One thing that absolutely baffles me is that, you know, I know Neil very, very well, know him a lot down the years. We've been at automotive events where he has refused to get off of simulators until he tops the leaderboard. You know, he is obsessed with driving, he loves it. And you're standing back at these events, Poland and Goodwood, and watching Ian drive. I mean, you must have been absolutely itching to get behind the wheel. Like, when did you actually first drive it? No, you're right. I mean, it, you, you have to put you have to put personal desires and preferences uh, aside, really, for 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 the great of of the company. Um, and you know, in these instances, it made perfect sense. Um, you know, with the pedal box being adjustable and to make sure that the car could be accessible for sort of anyone of any size. We always made sure the pedals were as far forward and in six foot plus and. I'm a bit shorter than that. So, um, you know, it, it, it always made sense to put the pedals further forward. So for me, I wanted to drive the car in a proper con a proper situation where I could um, go through the process that, that, that I go through um, to, to analyze what the car is doing, um, you know, put it in a repeatable situation where you can then make a change and you can understand if it makes the car better or worse. Um, and, and that's what we did basically after this kind of uh, summer madness of, of events. Um, knew uh, knew the guys at, at Sax, ZF Sax Racing very well uh, from former times. Um, they were uh, sponsors of the Formula One and the World Rally Car Programme and, and we, we got them involved very early in the proceedings with regards to supplying the dampers. And they'd made the kind offer of us of spending some time on their four-poster rig out in Germany. So again, drove over in... In in uh, in the in the truck and uh, and spent two or three days on on the damper rig coming up with two or three different settings and there so happened to be some fantastic roads in the region that we could go and do some some um, some live assessments on the road with me driving and, and that's when we came up with the the definitive dynamic setup of the car um, 
And, uh, you know, from there, that was kind of like the baseline setup for essentially what the 2.3 car was. And that really was the start of the, of the evolution then of the, of the vehicle dynamic and, and indeed the setup of the car and, and the options, because from at that point, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd define what the, what the specification was going to be. And we started to get then obviously, um, input from, from, um, from owners and, and some, and journalists as well. And that's when we started with, with some of our future options, which of course we all, we all now we're very familiar with, um, and some of the other developments on the car, of course, to the 2.5 and traction control, launch control, and all the goodies that the car has now. But in those early days, the car was, was, was very straightforward. Um, but, but it, it, it absolutely had to deliver, you know, it, it absolutely had to deliver, you know, the car, as I've said many times, my brief was to make the car drive as well as it looks and make sure that those two attributes on a high level are, are in perfect harmony. And, and, and that's, um, that's what we managed to achieve. Um, you know, and, and even to this day, I, I avoid driving the car, um, you know, because it's all about the customers. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not about us. Um, we get, we get plenty of opportunities to drive the car. But yeah, there's always that little thing in the back of your mind where you think, God, I wish that I wish that could have been me. I still I still do dream about driving up the hill at Goodwood, but then you see so many people crash, you think, well, probably it's perhaps not a bad thing um, that I that I didn't will leave it to the professional racing drivers. Like Ian Briggs. <laughs> well, he, he he didn't put it in the wall, to be fair to him. There was a lot of pressure. Um, you know, he's Ian's a good Ian's a good peddler, make, make no mistake. Um um you know so so it was one of those you know it was in safe hands and and, and he and he did a cracking job so it's safe to say steve suckler's review of money was absolutely huge for bac and i think we can hold the lap record with top gear and obviously review with jeremy clarkson in the same light i mean uh, you know going back However many years, the power of Top Gear was just absolutely phenomenal. You know, every every single week in my house, I know, and I'm sure the same with you. The whole family would gather around 8 p.m. Sunday nights. I'd have a glass of milk and about 15 biscuits in my hand, and I'd just enjoy it together. I think you know it must have been incredible for you guys to to get the call to go on there. How did that all come about? Well, it was it was on the back of the um, on the back of the magazine shoot that we did. Uh, the magazine works works hand in glove, obviously, with uh, with the TV show. And, and Charlie Turner, who's the editor there, you know, big fan of the car and, and BAC. And of course, um, you know, he'd uh, he'd obviously spoken to the people on the TV show and explained to them how how well the car had gone. And the review is is there to be read. So um, the call came in. Um, they were very keen to get their, their their hands on the car. And of course, the it's a double-edged sword, you know, uh, Top Gear is a global audience, absolutely huge, um, you know, and we've all grown up watching it, as, as you say. Um, so for us, it was a question of making sure that we could optimise the car as best we could with the, the very limited resource we had available to us at that time um, and, and present the car. And, um, you know, uh, for the listeners who, you know, are perhaps not that familiar with how production of, of these kind of things goes, um, the, the, the segments for the show made at various different times of the year. Certain things are shot on location. Certain things are shot in a studio. Then, of course, there's the lap. Uh, and then there's the actual piece in the studio when the presenters are presenting things. And, and actually, there's four different areas that we had to spread ourselves across. Um, the, the first piece that, that I was involved with was when we had to go down to Dunsfold. Um, and that was amazing because that was you know, the realisation of, of being at Dunsfold and seeing the whole set um and so on um 
and Jeremy drove the car on track. We were blessed with an incredibly nice day, an incredible sunset towards the end of it as well. And Jeremy drove the car um, and we had no idea what he said. Um, you know, um, I, I, again, just to, 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 to let the listeners know, you, you have no idea what journalists, whether it's, it's, it's TV or, or, or print, what they're going to say. You have to just give them the product, have full faith in it um, and hope that they, they enjoy it as well as we do. Um, and I got an inkling towards the end of the day, um, the, the toilets at Top Gear, believe it or not, are outside. And I was actually in the arrival and the, the Sandman came up to me and said, uh, he was, he was taking a leak next door, next to me. And he said, uh, he said, wow, Jeremy said some really nice things about your car. And I said, really? He said, no, no, he, he really has said some nice things about it. And I thought, well, that, that, that gave us hope. Uh, we then drove back six or seven hours, uh, with our fingers crossed. And then I think, um, uh, it was over to Ian to take the car to the studio where they were filming various different things with bouncing balls and exploding champagne and, and goodness knows what. Um, so that was the that was the start of it and how it all came around. I think Ian, you were the one who took it down to the studio. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, did the studio come after that filming day that, that yeah. you had done? I think it did. Um, and we were in a in, in a studio there, and the, like Neil said, you know, they. It, uh, they, they had um, kind of polystyrene chips that all fell from the ceiling and then they play it in reverse as if they were all being sucked out of the car. Took us weeks to get out, <laughs> the last ones of them out of the car, but they had ping pong balls and all kinds of, all very, very creative and, and cool stuff. And um, they were all really friendly bunch of guys and they were really into it, um, what they were doing. But <clears throat> the, the the director of that shoot, Vicky Butler Henderson's uh, husband, um forget his first and Chris maybe can't remember but um you know there was a moment when everyone was busy and they were getting ready and they're cleaning the car a little bit and that and we're about halfway through and he turned to me and he said you you know must be must be you know we talked about how the product had come about and everything he said well this must be quite a moment for you then being filmed for Top Gear and I said well yeah I just don't feel like I can enjoy it I said I'm just scared about what he might you know what he might say you know now how important it is and then he just turned and looked at me and he said, we don't go to all this effort on a negative piece. Um, and, and, and so that was like, like Neil had had a little snippet from the sound man. We'd had a little snippet like, okay, you know, and there there was, was a bottle of champagne exploding and, and going off, you know, it's okay. You don't do that when you say it's rubbish. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, that was, that, that was great. I still got loads of shots of behind the scenes that, 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 did feel like we'd kind of arrived a little bit there as well. You, you do have those milestones that unfortunately we t- tend to forget. I'm just remembering so much now, just talking about it. Um, all those little anecdotes, but um, yeah, that, that, that was the bit, that was my involvement in the, in the top gear. I think then Neil, you, you went uh, and did the, 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 the day with the stig with the lap, which was the big day, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so the, the, the laps filmed on a Wednesday, uh, or certainly was back then, along with the star and reasonably priced car. So they've basically got people out on track with cameras. And, you know, you've got a, a very narrow window to go and film the car around the lap, um, then to do the star and reasonably priced car. Um, they have everyone in the studio as well, uh, with the familiar backdrop, all the presenters and the, and the studio audience. Uh, they film it all live. Um, and then they edit in the bits that they've done, whether it was the piece that they'd done earlier in the year at Dunsfold uh, in November or the piece in, in the studio. Um, they edit it all in uh, and it goes out um, all as live so they get the reaction from the crowd as, as, as genuine. Uh, so we rocked up. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was fairy tale day, really. I mean, we turned up there. We just got the call from um, Liverpool City Council that they transferred uh, part of the uh, investment that they'd made into the company. Um, so that was that meant we could pay the bill for 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 for, for being at the track <laughs> at least. Um, and and so that was one thing off 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 my mind. Uh, we got the car off. I'd managed to get some tickets for uh, some of our customers who'd placed deposits. Because um, as a manufacturer, you're not allowed in the studio. So I thought we'll try and get some of our spies in there and also <laughs> offer them a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, some of the things that we do, particularly with the Mono Owners Club, which is the sort of money can't buy things, getting people in places, you know, like Pirelli R&D test centres and things like that and in the studio at Top Gear. So we did that. And uh, and then we had to do the lap, and and you know literally it was drop the car on the deck, and 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 off he went. Um, you know we now know that that manufacturers spend hours, weeks, months testing there beforehand to refine their cars. Um, you know, and 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 to try and get optimize them. Um, again, the naivety was was drop it on the deck and let's see what he can do with it. Stig had already driven the car previously, and it was the same Stig. Uh, from when they'd done the the article um, in the magazine, uh, and he went out, uh, drove the car, and uh, and gesticulated. And I thought there's something not quite right here. Um, maybe you know the surface is quite rough in areas uh, beyond the track, because it's, it's a runway. There's these big, big rocks, uh, landing lights, and various different things. I thought maybe he'd clipped something. Quick look around the car. There was no issues, and he he basically intimated that the car was oversteered and the car never oversteers particularly not in the high speed corners um so i thought maybe something was wrong um maybe a damper would, was broken he'd, he'd hit something i didn't really know fortunately we had another customer car there um and within the space of 15 minutes we managed to change two rear dampers uh just as a precaution um put a brand new set of tires on it sent him out he literally drove out drove around the lap once, looked over to me, gave it thumbs up and went and did the lap. And that was it. Um, Only two laps is no, we did. That, that's, that, that's what he did. Um, he'd done a couple of warm-up laps previously prior to that, mm -hmm. uh, before that change that I mentioned. Um, the track was still damp, actually, because it had rained from the night before. So it, was, it wasn't wet and it wasn't moist, but th there were damp patches in certain areas. The sun suddenly came out. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he, he went out there, and it was it was incredible. We had uh, I had some of the owners. Uh, we we didn't have enough petrol, so we had to go out and get some more petrol. I had one of my one of my owners was out in his in his <laughs> his Ferrari with these jerry cans. <laughs> came back. Uh, one of my other friends who'd came down with us, a lifelong friend. He uh, he was helping to change the wheels and the tires. I mean, it, it sounds very much um, you know unorganized, uh, ill prepared. From, from what we now know and how we would organize ourselves for an event. But when you're three or four people in a company, that's all it was at that stage uh, with a couple of weekend warriors and, and a couple of interns from university, you've just got to do the best that you can because um, these, these opportunities don't come around very often. Um, you know, I said earlier, you roll the dice, you hope for the best. And uh, you know we didn't even we didn't even have chance to time it. You know it was uh, it was that quick. We didn't even know what the time what time it was. Um, there's a chap who stood literally at this to start finish uh, with stopwatch timing it. Um, and the lap no sooner 
Eddie done the lap, the car was finished and we were putting it on the truck and we were starting to prepare for the journey home. Meantime, the studio audience arrived uh, and what's clear is they were doing the kind of good, you know, hello, good evening and welcome and lots of rapturous applause and things. And the, the, the toilets are on the opposite side to where we were parked from the main studio. And as we walked past, we'd heard this huge roar and we thought, oh, that must be the good evening and welcome, you know, where everyone's all, you know, very emotional and, 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 and they start the show. Little did we know, they'd just announced the lap time. Uh, and of course, you know, you depending on where your brain's at and whether your glass is half full or half empty, you're wondering that it's an incredible time or or what, you know, we just didn't, we didn't know. So gets in the truck, pulls out a Dunn's fold. And for anyone who knows that area, it's quite a tight area. Um, you know, A roads and B roads, quite narrow, let alone in a, in a seven and a half ton truck. So I'm driving along and of course my phone beeps. Uh, and of course it was a text message off, off one of the spies that we had in there, one of our customers. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, pulled over, looked at the, looked at the lap time, uh, and it was a one minute 14.3. And I, I have to say, I mean, you know, it, it looked quick. Uh, but it, it's hard to just know just how quick. And the car is really, really deceiving. It carries so much speed into a corner. Um, it's really hard to tell just how fast it was going, and I just couldn't believe it. Um, so I, I drove another couple of miles into a little village next to Dunsfold where there was a fuel station, and I got out, um, and a couple of the weekend warrior intern lads uh, were behind me, um, and they, they came up to me, and I told them what the lap time was, and we all started screaming and shouting and hugging each other in the middle of this um, petrol station. And next minute, this voice comes <laughs> comes over the tannoy about asking us if we would kindly move on because I think they thought we were having a bit of a man moment. Um, so we, we, we all, we, we shed a tear, I've got to say. Uh, and then we, we drove the six hours back to, back to base after various phone calls to, uh, to Ian and, and, and a few other, you know, family members. And it was, it was amazing. Um, you know, so yeah, just 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 a great, great, great moment. I remember, um, I remember getting the message, and I was we had a we had an office at the time. We'd without we'd outgrown um, the porter cabin behind the workshop, as Neil said. We'd, we'd we'd secured the move to Liverpool, but we were still in the old the old place. And um, when the message came through, me and Murray were sitting opposite each other. We both stood up and put our arms around each other. It was it was a huge moment. It was uh, it was great. Um, yeah, no, won't forget that. That was the Wednesday um, that, that they filmed the show, and the show went out four days later on the Sunday. So the great thing was was that for once in in, in our existence at that point, it was possible to arrange a nice event around it and in my apartment where I used to live uh you know I got friends and family around you know I sort of 2015 Murray came around actually uh so we saw the show for the first time even though we'd heard snippets and we'd seen various different pieces of the segment that were filmed at various different times and it was uh it was it was amazing I remember Murray looked at me uh, and I looked at him and um, I think Guy was there as well um, and parents and family and everyone was just kind of, you know, full of admiration. And, and, and for, a, for about a couple of hours afterwards, um, there was nothing else that was going on in the BAC world, only, only that lap. And I have to say for me as an engineer, um, you know, my part in, in, in making the car deliver, you know, its best attribute 
um, and, and making it drive as well as it looks, that for me was was the accolade of of all these things of centre of gravity and steering response and braking and suspension kinematics and tyre and grip and, and, and how it delivers it all, um, all come together in that lap. So for me, at that point, it was almost kind of like realisation that we'd done a, we'd done a pretty decent job. It's funny because um, I'd, I'd done the same, but um, I, I was here in Stuttgart and I had, you know, friends who are designers at Porsche and Mercedes and all the lads I'd, you know, I'd met over the years probably had about 30 or 40 people here in the apartment because, of course, they couldn't watch it on their own TVs. It wasn't going to be on German TV. So if you wanted to see it in Germany, you had to go around to Ian's. Um, I don't know if you recall, Neil, but um, it, the, the start of the show was delayed because the tennis ran on. It was a tennis game and it was getting so late. And I was like, what am I going to do if they just decide, oh, this week's top gear will be shown later in the week because, you know, we've overrun and we're going straight to the nine o'clock news now or whatever it was with all these people here. So I don't know. I don't want to keep going on about it, but it just, it always, it always felt so stressful at the time, you know, worried what they were going to say. Is it going to be a good review? What if it doesn't even come on TV now? I've got a house full of people. Um, and then you have these moments when you have that relief of, wow, it's, it's gone great, said wonderful things. I mean, you know, Neil's proud of how it drive and I, I drove and I am too, of course. But when he stood there and he stood back and he said, you know, I stand here and look at that. That's one of the most beautiful shapes I've ever seen. You know, then, that, then you get your goosebumps as well. And so you get you get that moment and uh, life at that time, it still does a little bit. But back then it really was like a roller coaster. It was just mega high, not not a mega low, but just, a, just, just worried about this, making things happen, um, making, making deadlines and timetables work. So... Yeah, the, the impact of that show, uh, you know, we meet, I meet people all around the world all the time and, and, you know, even customers that we speak to and they'll say, you know, we'll ask, where did you first hear of it? And they'll still say, you know, Jeremy Clarkson and Topkit. It, it had that big an impact on us. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, 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 it genuinely did. It's, uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, as a small business, we had to, we had to pick a select few of, you know, we we was that busy doing everything else. Um, it, it, we didn't have the time to go and do a proper press launch like a manufacturer would with 10 or 15 of, of the world's VIP press. We we just had to pick the ones that we felt were the most appropriate. And of course, you know, Autocar was was one and uh, and Top Gear was the other. And and thankfully we 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 pinned our colours to the right masts. And and as you say, people to this day still come along and, and, and talk about it. Incredibly, it's nearly eight years ago now. That they did that lap, and that was with the the, the two point three um, uh, four cylinder normally aspirated engine with two hundred and two seventy two eighty horsepower uh, and two eighty um, newton meters of torque. Um, you know, you, you wind the clock forward um, three or four years. Thereafter, um, you know, we we had the the two point five engine with three hundred and five horsepower, three hundred and ten newton meters uh, of torque. Um, some additional lightweight options, the brakes, the wheels, and the performance of the car moves forward again. Um, it was a shame in many ways that we we didn't have chance to go back and, and uh, with the 2.5 to see how much quicker that that was. Um, and then, of course, there's the next iteration of the of the mono. Uh, um, we call it the W internally with of, of that 2.5 engine. Uh, now with launch control, traction control, and other goodies. Uh, and you know you wonder what the car would do, and then of course there's Mono R, and you think, wow, where where would that be? Um, you know, we know where we stack up um, with some of the production car lap records we've got with regards to some of those cars. Um, I think we do very well. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on terms of what lap time I think we'd do, but I, I, I think I think we'd be right, right up there, um, and one would hope that we'd uh, we'd be able to, to to steal that top spot again. I think. Well, we've just about got time for a few listeners' questions from social media. Uh, we asked people over the weekend what they wanted to ask Neil and Ian, and we got all kinds of things in, ranging from the interesting to the inappropriate. Uh, and the first uh, okay. is an absolute belter, <laughs> actually, uh, from Matt Wayne on Instagram, who says, have Ian and Neil ever fallen out dramatically over something related to mono? Yes. <laughs> of, of, course we have. of course we have. To be honest, I don't think we've never kind of. I think it should be this. I think it should be that. I don't think we've ever we've ever argued about that. But of course, startup business, stressful business. Um, you do have your moments. Um, thankfully, Touchwood they're getting less and less and fewer and far between. But but back then in that stressful time, yeah, you know, we're we'd worked together before, but not under that level of stress. Um, so yeah, we, we had we had our we had our kind of. Noel and Liam Gallagher moments, um, but like I said, they, they, they've got less and less over the years. And uh, it was never over. I think it should be four cylinder. I think it should be six cylinder. I think it should be this. And I think, you know, I think on the specification of the car, um, we've always arrived at the same point. I think that's fair to say, Neil. Now, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say uh, fallen out. I mean, a fallout is 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 people um, having disagreements and, and never talking again. That's what I call a fallout. You know, um, there's always difference of opinions, um, and there's always you know there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, so it's it's always a question of um, you know you learn certain individuals depending on if they're dealing with a task are closer to some of the details than than perhaps the other. And therefore, they form an opinion, and it's sometimes nice to get a fresh eyes approach. And so, therefore, you're always going to get that that difference of opinion. And actually, what we've learned over the years is is that you know uh, you don't want it to be um, you know your decisions that you make. You don't want it to be a, a cast of thousands. But if you assemble you know the key people that you need to be involved in any one decision, and that can take up a different makeup at any one time. And generally, nine times out of ten, you'll 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 get the right answer. Lovely. The next one is uh, from Spoof Sniper on Instagram. Uh, so Neil, after the launch in Germany, whatever happened to that prototype mono? Where is it now? We obviously know where it is now, but uh, people aren't too sure. Well, no, it's a great, great question. Well, it's um, it's sat here right now um, in our innovation center uh, where we're based here in in Liverpool in the UK, and. Um, yeah, it still bears the scars of uh, of Stig uh, and the lap. Um, uh, for those who don't know, um, if you notice at Top Gear, the last corner, um, uh, if you when, when you watch Stig, the car will will go over quite a, a serious bump, and it's as he runs wide off the runway uh, into the drainage ditch, and the drainage ditch. Uh, back then was full of, uh, of big white rocks um, to help drain the water off off the runway because Dunsfold is an active active uh, airfield. Uh, and he does it with all the cars. It gains a couple of tenths. And he'd said to us beforehand, he said, look, you know, if, if, if you want me to get as competitive a time as possible, I'll have to run a little bit wide at the last corner. It will damage the car. So we said, well, look, if you do it with everyone, you've got to do it with us to put it on an even playing field. So there is there is a battle scar on the car. Um and yeah, it's it's still here. Uh, we still use it. Um, we've used it for various different, you know, various different PR 
um, activities uh, and it still gets driven, uh, but it is very much uh, part of what is now a, a growing BAC uh, Heritage Museum of, of key cars, uh, along with the car that's won up the hill twice at Goodwood, uh, for example. Um, we're amassing quite a nice array of, uh, of Heritage Monos. It's uh, <clears throat> just on that point, uh, the, the, the car was originally called ESO-1, um, engineering sign-off vehicle number one. Um, and so it's still referred to as ESO-1 now. The car Neil just mentioned, the Goodwood car, that was the first 2.5. That was ESO-2, engineering sign-off vehicle number two. ESO-3 is um, our very first Mono R, the car we showed at Goodwood um, in 2019, and the car that's been doing a lot of development work ever since then. So the ESO-1s, 2, and 3s, they're, they're the historical cars for us as a company, and they're the cars that obviously we, we intend to keep. ESO-4 um is 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 a work in progress at the moment as that's the sign-off car for the turbocharged uh, mono that's to come next year so um yeah a little bit of background on the bac nomenclature lovely thank you so much to everyone who got in touch with us on social media to ask their questions there'll be plenty more opportunities to pick neil and Ian's brains in the future and uh, keep up with everything we're doing at discover mono and obviously message us if there's anything you want us to talk about on here and that's it for episode two enjoy yourselves guys it's been another great episode. I hope everyone's liked listening to it, um, following our journey. Um, it's great to uh, to be able to look back and reflect on on some of the things that we did and our achievements. Of course, speaking with Steve as well. Um, so, no, I've had, another, had a great time. I hope everyone enjoys listening. Yeah, well done on the uh, on getting Steve. I've never, as I said before, I'd never even met him, so it was nice to be able to thank him in person, and I look forward to doing something more with him in the future. But it's also amazing when you look through some of the pictures, you get some of the right chronological order for 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 what we were talking about, and you remember so much stuff that you that you kind of forgot. Um, so it's good to do this uh, to remind yourself not only where we've come from, but but how that journey's been. So yeah, no, good fun, Stuart. Lovely. So episode three of the BSE podcast next month is The Design. So it's a chance for Ian, Neil, and some very special guests to outline their original influences behind Mono and what inspires them every single day in the BAC Innovation Center. If you want to get super nerdy on the design front, then make sure you tune in. Cheers, guys. All the best. See you next time.